Pretty Mental family. Welcome back. My name is Valentina Sinistera. I am your host. And today we have an epic conversation with the beautiful Tara Zinneman. This was such an amazing conversation for many reasons. Tara is just such a badass and I love her. It felt like we were just two homies kicking it and you guys will feel the vibe as you tune into this podcast she opened up her heart and really brought me into her journey. And we got super raw, super personal. There were some tears, there were some laughs, there were some fun stories, some beautiful, beautiful heart opening stories. And I'm just super excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. And today happens to be World Mental Health Day. I was about to say Mental Health World Day. The world is recognizing mental health today. And I think we've made a lot of strides with making mental health more mainstream, which is like so funny to say, because shouldn't we have always been doing this as humans? Isn't this how humans will survive by taking care of their, and when I say mental health, I mean, spiritual, energetic, mental, emotional, mental health, but no, not really. Um, We haven't really been focusing on watering ourselves and pausing and stopping. We've been and still kind of are focused on keeping up with the system and staying in line with the system and having to follow the systems because that's how we survive. And it has put a lot of us in survival mode to keep up with these conditions that are not really made for the human, the human spirit, the human body. So on this day and really always, but you know, the world recognizes it today. So we're going to say it today. I hope that we're all giving ourselves permission to slow down and to rest and to really really ask ourselves like what what is it that I need? You know, when we feel ourselves in a slump or we feel ourselves feeling kind of wobbly or our energy is wacky and even if nothing is off, you know, just always asking ourselves like what is it that I need? because I don't feel like we ask ourselves that enough. I think a lot of us are moving through the motions of life. Like we wake up, we go to work, we do whatever the next thing on our list is, the next thing, the next thing. And even if we are doing things like running or meditating and and whatever our routine is, like, are we actually stopping and being like, hold on, am I just going through the motions or am I actually paying attention to whatever it is that I need? Because sometimes for me, what I need is not even to meditate and not to do whatever, uh, running that morning. Sometimes for me, it's like, no, like baby girl's got to stay in bed until the last possible second. Cause she's tired or today. I don't, I want to not be in routine and I just want to go see my friends and sit in community or be out in nature, whatever it is that we need. I, I invite us all to just continue to ask ourselves this because we are the ones that are going to, that have our own back. We are the ones that are going to help ourselves and guide ourselves and really construct this new earth paradigm that is being built by, you know, I love, love, love. Oh my God. And I cannot believe I am blanking on her name right now, but rest as resistance. Um, it's a movement and she's based out of Atlanta, but she really, the Nat ministry. Oh my God. Y'all are yelling at the speakers right now, but listen, Check out the Nat Ministry on Instagram. She's amazing. She always talks about rest as resistance. And that's something that is just such a powerful thing and concept. It's such a powerful concept to 
to embody and to really keep pushing forward. So we are the leaders of this new earth that is coming forth. And the way that we are going to continue to build a world that really is tailored to all of us is to being rebellious with our needs, like rest, 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 do whatever you need to take care of you. And when we take care of ourselves, then we build a better world for everyone around us. So happy mental health world day. And with that, you guys, I also want to make an announcement that I am going to be taking some time off. So if you guys have been keeping up with the podcast for a hot little minute, you know that this year was quite hard on my health and I am really, really feeling the call to rest. So last week I didn't release an episode because I was just feeling so burnt out from everything. And as you know, I have an Ayurveda healer, as you know, if you've been listening Um, and if you're new, welcome. I love you. Uh, I'm taking some time off now, but you got a lot of other episodes to keep up with and to tune into. So the content's there over a hundred and like 15 episodes now, you guys. Um, but yes, I've been working with an Ayurveda healer, an acupuncturist and an endocrinologist to balance out my body and balance out my hormones and to just take care of this vessel that is carrying me through life. So as my mind, body, spirit heals and, you know, the different supplements I'm taking and the different procedures that I'm doing with the different doctors start to come together. Um, or as I give myself this time, everything's going to start to come together. And then I'm going to feel fueled up again to, to really participate in life, how I know that I can, but right now Valentina's body is asking for some deep, deep rest, and I'm going to take some time off. You guys can come catch me on Instagram at valentina.sinistera. I'll put it in the show notes. If you want to come say hi and just see what's up behind the scenes. But for now, check out the 115 or 16 episodes that we have and enjoy this amazing conversation with Tara. And yeah, thank you guys so much for being on this journey with me. Thank you for being patient as I take care of myself. I hope this gives you permission to really slow down and do whatever you need to do to to really take care of yourself because we are the vessels that are going to keep ourselves going. So we got to have our own backs. And right now, this is me having my own back. And before I dive into today's episode, I want to talk to you guys about Pathly. So Pathly is an amazing platform created by Matt Shanker and a few other super dope people. And Matt was actually on the podcast a few episodes ago. And Pathly is a platform where you get matched with a reflector. So not a therapist, not a coach, a reflector. And a reflector is someone who's going to hold space for you and keep you accountable if that's what you want, or they're just there to hold space for you. If you need to process any kind of grief, or just anything that's going on with your life. And it's cool because when you join Pathly, you're given a bunch of different profiles of reflectors. And it's a huge group of people that you can choose from, all different backgrounds. Whoever you align with the most is who you can choose. And they become the one who is going to be with you on your journey. You can meet with them every week, bi-weekly, once a month, whatever you choose. You can change reflectors at any time. And you can let them, there's a telegram space. You can communicate with them on the the off days that you're not speaking with them. And if 
goals are why you're with them. You can be like, Hey, can you remind me on Wednesdays to go to the gym? And in that telegram space, they'll shoot you a note on Wednesdays. Hey, don't forget to go to the gym. So it's a super cool platform that is very multidimensional. They're there to help you on your journey with literally whatever you need, holding space or accountability, or just like a homie to check in with once in a while. They're there. And let them know if you guys sign up that Valentina sent you, you guys will get 10% off your first season and you have a 30 day money back guarantee if you're not loving it. But I'm pretty sure that you guys are going to love it because it's just run by a super, super cool crew of people. And it's an amazing platform. So with that, you guys, before we start our episode Take in a deep breath with me. And tune in. We open up this space, calling in our ancestors, calling in our angels, calling in our guides, calling in all of the beautiful energies that are aligned in love that are walking with us in this lifetime. We open ourselves up fully. We ground in, we open our hearts, we open our throats, we open our minds for whatever wants to come through for the highest healing of ourselves, our community, everyone they come in contact with and for the highest healing of the planet. As we align with love, we surrender to whatever wants to come through today. Surrendering our vessels, surrendering our words, offering it all up in prayer. The portal is now open. Let's cinnamon. <laughs> LFG. <laughs> Welcome to Pretty Mental. Thanks so much for having me, Valentina. It's a pleasure. I'm so happy. We made it. We made it. Mercury is in retrograde as we speak, y'all. So it took a hot little minute to get the scheduling thing right, but we did it. Mercury throws very many loops, but we made it. <laughs> we did. So I would love, well, first let me introduce you and then anything that I that I don't bring in, please feel free to just jump in and, and let our audience know the few things that I know you for, which I know you are way more multidimensional than this. Um, but you do an amazing, amazing job right now with, you work with, uh, open, which is a wellness studio in Venice. And they also have a virtual app that everyone can practice on. Uh, Tara is a yogi, a breath work, a meditation teacher for open, and she's a neuroscientist. And she's just an amazing human being that I connected with when I first met you. And yeah, we've just been, I've been going to your breathwork events ever since then. And every time I'm like, I want to have you on the podcast and I just want to kick it with you because you seem so cool. And we're both grandmas who drink tea and don't go out at night. So look, we match. I came prepared with cool down tea for the LA heat. Uh, Yes. Girl, oof. but you got it. Yeah, I'm a PhD neuroscientist right now. I'm focusing on teaching yoga, meditation, breath work, and doing a little bit of background science um, with Open, which is kind of mixing the East and the West. And I think that 
a lot of what I've been through has been this big, my whole life has been this experience of moving from West to East and a little sticking around, like the pendulum swings back and forth, but like I'm middle and I'm like, I'd say woo adjacent. Oh, wow. I fucking love that. (laughs) That's cool. So could you give us a bit of, of like, bring us into the journey of what your mental health, your life journey looks like from that got you to where you are now, where you are today? All right. Well, we got 33 years to cover and I'll do it. Oh, 33. (laughs) Look, 333. That's my lucky number. I love that. Yes. I'm, I mean, everyone's always like 34 Jesus year. And I'm like, I don't know about that, buddy. It doesn't sound like that. Oh, I thought 33. Isn't 33 Jesus year? Well, I'm turning 34 and everyone was like, oh, 33 Jesus year. Like, Uh, love it. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, no, I'm ready. That doesn't sound like that much fun. Uh, so I grew up, was born on the South side of Chicago, um, born to a mom who was only 22 years older than me. Um, so she and I were like buddies. Like that was my dog. We kicked it all the time. Um, also had a lot of family involved as well. So like my grandma was really, um, near and dear to me and like used to sleep with my grandma. Like that also is my, my second mom, my dad. Um, and I were close until unfortunately he went to prison when I was about five, um, and still is in prison. So it's really been like a matrilineal, um, experience for me. Um, growing around, growing up around so many strong, beautiful black women, um, that had to be strong and kind of were, and still are in survival mode. Um, so that kind of is where, uh, the environment I grew up in where like feelings don't matter, like make sure that you, you know, are providing for yourself, providing for those that you care about. Grandma had three jobs. My mom always had multiple jobs. Um, So I grew up not very wealthy. Um, Like there were like six of us in like a tiny little two bedroom house at one point on the South side of Chicago. Um, And as you can imagine the way that this society's school systems are set up, how much money you pay in taxes depends, uh, is dependent upon like how great the neighborhood is, which means that those schools are better if you make more money and shittier if you don't. So, all, everyone in my family went to the same grammar school, um, uh, Medgar Evers on the South side of Chicago, but my mom actually got a job luckily when I was maybe four or five in Los Angeles. So this is actually my second time around living in LA, oh, I love uh, that. which is, yeah. And my mom got a job with her, her brother and my uh, older cousin working at Capitol Records in the early nineties at the beginning of hip hop hitting mainstream. So like another part of my like heritage is really like growing up listen like with a really fucking cool mom listening to hip hop. Also, my mom was a rapper, my dad was a DJ and they like had this with my older cousin. <laughs> like honestly like I couldn't have asked for like a cooler story. Um cooler conception story. Uh but then my mom ended up like working in LA for a couple of years and while we were here she was like wow, the school system is so much better out here. Um, So when we went back to Chicago a few years later, my mom was like, I don't want you to go back to the school that like I went to, that me and my siblings went to because like 
it's just not a great school. So how can we do better for you? So my mom ended up lying about where we lived, which like you could go to prison for, which is absolutely ridiculous. But my mom lied about where we lived um, so that I could go to a better school. Um, and through those better schools, I ended up getting put into like gifted programs, ended up getting into one of the best high schools in the country, ended up going to like getting a scholarship to the best liberal arts college in the country. And then like went to London, did my master's degree um, in neuroscience, ended up doing a PhD in London in neuroscience that um, landed me back here because it was a dual program with the National Institute of Mental Health. So like, I think a lot of my story comes from the privileges that I was granted that no one who looks like me should have. Um, so I was always very keen to take any and every one of those opportunities because I felt like I had to put on for my family. I had to put on for my people. Like I'll never forget going to like the National Institute of Health being like, oh, I forgot my ID. And they're like, oh, are you a summer student? Because like sometimes they take like summer students from like Baltimore at the NIH. And I was like, no, I'm actually a PhD fellow. And like the looks on each one of those black security guards faces, like almost tearing up being like, mm. I'm so proud of you. Like, this is so beautiful. Like, I love that you're doing this. So I think a lot of my story was colored by how can I prove um, that I deserve to be in these places that weren't meant for me. Um, and I think after I finished and like did my PhD, I was like, look, I need a break. So I pivoted to end it to teach uh, yoga classes. And that was end middle of 2019. And we all know what happened in 2020. So I ended up getting stuck. I called it a sabbatical just to like take a break, teach yoga and see what happens. Um, to go from, you know, all of that academia, all of um, the extra science-y work to go to the other side and do something that finally nourished me after things that didn't. I'll just say academia was rough. I worked in industry for a while. That was rough. Um, so like having this moment to pause and to teach yoga um, was wonderful, but then also COVID happened. I got stuck teaching yoga ended up on unemployment my mom got sick and passed away and I was a carer so like I'm in this season now of putting all of these things together um uh with my own agency um and with my own choices now that I know that I am capable of doing x y and z that you know people say you should do that are valuable um but also finding what I love and what I enjoy and like the intersection of those two things Mm, oh my God. Okay. So much in this. So the first thing that pops out into my mind that I just cannot glaze over is when you were five years old, your dad went to prison. Mm -hmm. Were you, were you all living in the same house and were you guys yeah. all together? When that so my, my parents uh, lived together in Chicago. Um, mm. And then when my mom got her job at Capitol records, my dad came out to Los Angeles as well. They had broken up. I think they'd been together for maybe seven. They were like, they were high school sweethearts. So they mm. had been together for probably seven, eight years before I was born. Um, and then I think shortly after ended up being like, I don't know if this is going to work, but they were still best friends. They were still super close. So my dad moved out to LA to be with me and to be, you know, nearer to me. 
Um, so we weren't living together, but we were very, very close as a family. Um, and that it's funny because I actually don't remember it. And I don't know if it's like, because five is just kind of a young age or if like I suppressed some of that, but like my dad's told me, cause he and I speak, um, my dad told me that at his sentencing, I grabbed his face and I said, don't be sad, daddy. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, huh? Like even just thinking about that, I'm like, how was I at five years old saying like anything like that? But clearly it was because I didn't really understand what was going on. But um, it for a long time was very challenging and very rough for me being in the like elite universities with like children of literal billionaires um, and like these conversations coming up and like knowing me not speaking about my dad meant that people thought that he was probably a deadbeat dad or I didn't know my dad or like um and his story is super complicated there's a lot of like you know the legal system legal systeming um a lot of like racism um not diminishing any of um his actions but like my dad has gotten like four or five degrees since he's been in prison, he's running programs to keep, you know, young black men out of prison. Like he is, he literally is like um, a sound engineer for a podcast Wait, hold from on, prison. Stop. Like I kid you not, like all what? Of these things, like, like considering my father had no criminal record before this and like was literally happened to be in like a terrible situation at a terrible time. Like there's no way like almost 30 years later, he should still be in prison given all the rehabilitation that he's done. Um, But anyways, all that to say, like knowing that my dad wasn't like a criminal or like a terrible guy, um, but still having that anger and that frustration of like not having a dad um, and the like stigma of being a little black girl without a dad. Um, that was a lot to carry. And me also being a black woman, like me having to um, tamp down my anger and hide my anger also has <laughs> led to, you know, a Hell lot yeah. of, yeah. of shit. Yeah, that'll make you sick, man. That'll make you sick. Um, so I'm in a season of like letting out my anger and my frustration <laughs> when Bitch, I watch to. out. <laughs> If you don't talk about it, be about it. Uh (laughs) That's the season. I mean, just kidding. (laughs) Honestly, though, like it's so uh, even just speaking from like my own experience with anger, I think this is the first year and I have an episode about it where like I first started feeling my anger and it came out because I the only reason it came out finally was because I got so sick. Like to the point where I couldn't even, I could, I had just enough energy to eat and bathe like every three days. Like I was, I was out. I thought I had COVID. It wasn't COVID. Like we didn't know what it was, whatever. And, but the only thing that I could feel that entire time was rage. And I'm like, this is all the shit that I didn't feel before that is now making its way out. So it'll make yeah. you sick. It, I feel the same way. Like when my mom got sick with like a super rare, super aggressive, ovarian cancer literally at age 53 54 um after being vegan doing yoga every day meditating every single day like doing all of the things right um 
it was wild because the first thing my acupuncturist and my therapist said, aren't you angry? And my partner as well. He was like, aren't you mad? And I was like, no, I mostly just feel sad. Um, but then I think that as I moved through a lot of the grief um, that I'm still moving through, um, it's been, yeah, it's, there's been a renaissance of, of anger and frustration that has been able to come out um, even like with issues that I find in wellness, being a black woman in wellness, where like, we're supposed to be like, we're in a post-racial society, like wellness is open to everyone. And then, you know, I still run up against issues constantly that like are similar to the issues that I ran into in academia and industry and like, whatever. It's like, I still um, have to move through the world uh, with, you know, my race, my gender, my ethnicity, all of these things as like a, a visible factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gets, it is like, as James Baldwin says to like be, I think he says exactly like to be a Negro and to be in America is to be in almost a constant state of rage. Mm-hmm. And I never re- like, for me, it's always been sadness, but now I think recently I'm finding value in allowing the rage to come out and just being like, I'm pissed. I'm angry. And if you want to then label me as an angry black woman, like have at it, be my guest, but that doesn't negate my feelings, my emotions. Um, right. Yeah. Like you refuse to be gaslit out of, out of the shit that they just try to trigger you for. And that's so real. You know, I, my sister used to tell me, cause I'm the exact same way as you. Like I would get sad and I would, you know, like the fight flight freezer fawn. I was freezing. Yeah. I was fawn. Mm-hmm. And my sister always used to tell me like, cause I would get so sad. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I would be powerless against everything that came up to me. And she would be like, dude, get mad. Like if anything, at yeah. least get mad, like get some yeah. of your power back. And I'm like, and now I actually like, I understand that, you know, they, try to use our anger against us because there is power in that. Yeah. I mean, within that anger, there's also the opportunity for alchemy. You can stay in the anger and you can stay in the rage and have it just be for the sake, for the sake of being angry and staying angry, or you can alchemize it and create other opportunities to create more space. Like there's just so many, um, there like, anger and rage are like potent emotions that, you know, the human is experience, human experience is kind of incomplete without. And I'm realizing that it was incomplete, like me not tapping into that. Um, But still like, I, I have to like make it palatable and like be angry, but like speak in a nice voice. And like, I can't use my hands. And like, it's just like, it's a lot to navigate. Um, And I don't think a lot of people realize how much they put um, they, they put on other people with like, um, yeah, having your, your anger needing to be like packaged up and cute. Um, so I'm curious, did you ever find that because you suppressed your anger, when people got angry around you, it was too hard for you to handle? Like, how did you react to other people's anger? Hmm. I think usually, um, I, for a long time was just like surprised because I also grew up, so I I studied psychology and I know that there's some theories um, behind anger being a secondary emotion. So for me, I always thought if I just like 
distilled the anger down and like sifted through it, what I would really find is sadness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that was true for me, but I also didn't want to allow myself to feel the sadness. So I think growing up, like I would cry maybe once a year, I would like literally just blast music close the doors and just cry and try to let it out then and there and hope that it was just like, you know, in the bank for next time something came up, I'd be like, Oh, I'll save that for January 2019. <laughs> like 200 uh, days from now. Yeah. Like, in 239 <laughs> yeah. days. Um, yeah. It's, I think in general, it was always really surprising to see other people in their anger and like, um, even still to this day, when I see people angry, my first response is like, oh, how can I help? How can I fix this? Um, unless I'm in my like tourist stubbornness and I'm like, fuck that. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's what I was going to ask you when you were t telling me about your dad and how it was like, you know, you said wrong place, wrong time. Mm -hmm. Were you, was there, I mean, I just would imagine like insane levels of rage that would come throughout this entire time that you've had, like they, they took your dad away from you and now yeah. how self-aware that you are, you now realize like that does something to you. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the, um, the anger was also compounded because like on a human level, like my dad's not with me. I don't get all those opportunities. I don't go to father daughter dances. Like I don't get to have, um, you know, those, those father's day moments. But then when you get into the, like, nefarious racism and like how America has created slavery by another name and you look into like you you start reading these documentaries you start reading these books and you're like huh now I'm really mad because uh -huh. like there's uh -huh. the sadness slash frustration but then there's the rage and the anger um and I think being able to like start to tap into those um and again, it still hasn't come out even with like the rage and the anger that I felt or didn't really feel when my mom had her diagnosis. It was, I feel like my life has been like a barrage of me just getting knocked and being like accepting it. Mm. Um, and I think it's funny because my partner said that he listened to this podcast once and was like, if people have something, I'm paraphrasing, shitty happened to them and they don't get angry it means that they've kind of resigned to the fact that that's what life is like for them yeah and him saying that I was like I mean I guess it's kind of true but now as I'm starting to find my anger and find that frustration um and able to express it in productive ways not like like if I see someone punch a wall because they're angry I'm just like whoa but seeing someone like have a moment, like I even had a moment the other, the other day, I was like, Hey, I'm angry. I just need like five minutes. Can you give me a second? And being able from that to be able to come back into the conversation clearer with yeah. more of a directive and a direction. Um, now I guess I'm pulling away from that, like, you know, resignation of like, Oh, I guess this is just the way it is for me. And like being like, no, this is how it is right now. This isn't yeah. how it always has to be. And what can I do to create and facilitate a world where, you know, I, my needs are met. I'm I, this, this situation is satisfying. So how are you, how are you doing that? I think 
it's through a lot of a lot of acupuncture, a lot of therapy, <laughs> yeah. a lot of yeah. I feel a you. lot of breath work. Um, I feel like I go through ebbs and flows of my yoga practice, but I feel like it's more um, of a sedentary practice these days. It's not like as active as a practice as it used to be. Um, but yeah, all of the like it's it's about getting enough sleep. Yes, I'm a Taurus. I love sleep. Um, it's about, you know, creating routines. Um, I practice and have practiced Ayurveda for a while, and that's really helped me um, creating the routines that work best for my constitution. And depending on the season, I'm actually in the middle of like doing a, because uh, with the equinoxes, it's a great time to do like a cleanse, mm-hmm. but not like a juice cleanse where we only drink juice and water. Um, which I love, I've done that before, but, um, I find it very like stripping, very like debilitating. Um, and I think it's, it has its purpose, but for people who are just like doing it regularly, like all the time, it ends up being, being rough. Um, so I'm doing this like more nourishing, um, cleanse where I just give my digestive system a break, not by like giving it cold green juice, um, which is again, what I've done before. And like, in my twenties, it's like, oh, I just want to lose a couple pounds. It wasn't because like I needed to, it's like, oh, this is healthy. This is cute. Um, and slash I have like orthorexia slash want to be thinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think creating these opportunities for my body to have, um, routine for me, which works really well. Um, I know some people get off on like spontaneity, but yeah, I think creating Uh, a more of a intentional healing environment um, with like serenity and calmness and like my space and the people that are around me um, has really helped me be able to see that there's more beyond struggle. There's more beyond survival, which is like all I've seen and all of most of my ancestors as like literal slaves. Um, And then people who are dealing with segregation and Jim Crow laws and like dealing with, you know, redlining as they do in Chicago, like all like hyper segregation as that's, that's been, you know, rampant in Chicago. So like, I feel like I'm one of the first generations in my family who has had the opportunity to go beyond struggle. Um, So me like taking the time to say, huh, how can I create a life and create an environment like externally and internally where I can prosper? Yeah. Um, and like, some- it should, I wish it didn't have to take so many things, but it does. <laughs> dude, I fucking feel you. I'm like, Jesus, dude, this, hu- this human vessel is high maintenance as shit. Yo, but- it's exhausting. <laughs> can we just take a moment to say being in the human form is just like, the weariness of incarnation is like Chani. It's I just like, ugh. I'm like, oh my God, why do you need so much? <laughs> like, let us just maybe stay up a little later the next day without feeling it so heavily. Or I like, mean, the real issue is capitalism. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that, yes, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing is like so many of us, like there's, it's like chaotic. It's very chaotic right now. 
chaotic and evil, not it's, chaotic it's, neutral. Not well, chaotic another good. thing too, is my Ayurvedic healers. She, which I also have, she we're on the same page with how we heal right now. Ayurveda, acupuncture, breath work, meditation. But she was saying how right now we're moving into um, like Vata season mm-hmm. or something where mm-hmm. it, and I do not know that much about Ayurveda, but um, so she's like that with that comes up it can tend to bring up a lot of like fear in people or, um, worry, anxiety. Yeah. 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 Um, and she was like, well, it's, there's no coincidence that it's actually close to Halloween. It's like the veil is just thinner around this time. So a lot of, um, cause I told her I had this just crazy fucking scary, like spirit moment the other day. And she was just like, well, this is how I found that out. Um, wait, I kind of want to know now I want to interview <laughs> <this> you. Is, <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. Okay. Well, I'll, okay. I'll tell you. So I was, this was like two days ago. So Aaron Abke is this amazing person who was on the podcast to like two podcasts or three podcasts ago. And he talks about lucid dreaming, um, many things, but one of them is lucid dreaming. He has a YouTube video, YouTube video on it. And he was saying how you do it. He has like steps one through five or whatever. And he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments of people being like, yep, this is exactly how you do it. Mm-hmm. It worked. And it's basically when you wake up in the morning between waking and sleeping state, when you're still at like half asleep, half awake, you start allowing not your physical limbs, but like the spirit of your limbs, they start feeling like they're kind of like flying out of your body a little bit. They're like coming out and it'll feel scary, but you should just let it happen. And then it'll feel like you're going through a tunnel with a lot of static noise, but just keep focusing on just like being in that meditative state, allowing yourself to go through that. And then you'll get there. It was like a lot of the times people get scared and they pull back. Mm. Well, I woke up in that state and I'm like, this is the, this is the state he talks about. So I'm just going to practice it. And I'm like half awake, half asleep. And I start feeling my limbs doing the thing. They were like coming out of my body. And all of a sudden my heart rate went through the roof. I was like, fuck, this does not feel healthy. Like, I feel like I'm going to like, I'm going to start sweating. Like this is very stressful, but I kept sticking with it. And then all of a sudden I started hearing, this is crazy, but I started hearing a bunch of whispers in my apartment, like, And then I heard she's waking up. She's waking up. Um, Stop, stop. And I saw a spirit run into my door and into my kitchen. (laughs) Ma'am. I was like, enough. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I like pulled myself back and I woke up, opened all my windows, grabbed my sage. I was like prayer at the top of my lungs. (laughs) Like I was like, (laughs) get out get out. <laughs> and of course, as I'm saying, get out. I'm like, Oh my God, that's the name of that movie. Like this is, is that? Cause it's aligned with it. I was like, but I'm like saying a prayer and I'm like, you, you are not aligned with the highest vibration of love. You have to get out. Like with love, you have to get out. I'm commanding my space back. You've got to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel fuck- like they weren't in that vibration. I, I was, or it was scared. too quick to tell. It okay. was too quick. I couldn't tell, but I was scared. And I will say my apartment, it felt like, um, I live in a studio. It felt like I was not the only energy occupying in it. Mm-hmm. And it felt very dense. Like, um, mm. there was other like, sticky, like, like heavy, it felt heavy. Mm. And I did the sage, I did the prayer and I felt like it got lighter. It got less dense. Mm. 
And the lady that I work with, who's the Ayurvedic healer, she's also very psychic and she like tuned in and she's like, your space feels clear. And I'm like, it actually does feel clear to me. But the past few weeks when I was going to sleep, I haven't been able to, I sleep with an eye mask. I -hmm. haven't been able to put my eye mask on and I've been too scared. This is before this happened. I've been too scared out of nowhere to turn my back to my door. You like felt it. I'm like, what the fuck? I asked my friend whose mom is a psychic. I'm like, dude, can you ask your mom? Like, yeah. is there fucking like, what is going on? Cause I'm like too scared to fall asleep. I'm scared to sleep alone. I can't turn my back to the door. Like what the fuck is going on? Mm. And then that happened. And I'm like, Oh God. Oh, so have you done it again? I've heard, I've also heard that, um, is it mullen? It's like a, an herb. I'm going to look it up right now. Cause I need to know. I think mullen um, is good for lucid dreaming. Oh, I'll have to look um, it up. I'll have to yes. Look it up. Yes. Mullen. Um, okay. my friend literally just, uh, gave me some the other day. Um, wow. It's supposed to be great. Um, it's, and what is it? M oh, Mullion. No, I said it wrong. M U L L E I N. Okay. I sp- um, I wrote it down. So I'll look that up. I'll it's look a it thing. Up. It's a thing. It's a thing. And that's the other thing. Like I, I'm also starting to look for my ancestral lineage with spirituality. Mm. Cause again, like I'm a descendant of slaves. So the way that my history has been wiped out the way that my, um, the spirit, my ancestral spirituality has been like trampled and purposefully and successfully squashed, um, leaves me in this weird state where I'm like looking I'm like am I connecting to like the Orishas more like am I connecting more so to like Santeria like what like where where are these um or, or is it like voodoo or is it hoodoo which is technically different like I'm trying to figure out where um these things uh where they land for me so yeah. like I'm also trying to figure out, which is also one of the reasons why my friend gave me this herb. She was like, it's great for lucid dreaming. It's great for like, maybe trying to see who you can connect to, trying to see who you can talk to. Um, but I've also had some really wild psychic things happening. And again, I'm a neuroscientist. I have always mm. been very like scientific, yeah. like what can you prove? Um, but I've always, even within science and without, it's I've always left space for the undiscernible, the like kind of unknowable because we don't have the tools um, and we don't have the like frame of mind to be able to think outside the box to, to, to figure it out. Yeah. Um, I just, I find that like science is a very masculine, if we're talking like, you know, yang and yin, if we're talking masculine, feminine, I feel like um, the scientific method and like the way we create hypotheses is very masculine is very like, um, yeah, it's logical. Of course it's mathematical, but, um, there's so many gray areas that end up being left out. So now as I'm coming out of, again, like a really mentally tough time, um, the way that as soon as I said that I'm like open, And I just started talking to friends about how much more open I am to finding that like spiritual lineage and finding a way to connect to my ancestors more. 
Um, boom, psychic number one drops in my lap. Boom, run into another woman who like channels my mom in a changing room at a yoga studio. Like crazy. wild, wild things have been happening. So we're like, we're, we're meeting, we're figuring, we're figuring some stuff out. Wow. And that's so real. Like you, they, when you call them in, they will, they will be there. I remember when these things started happening to me, my sister would say like, how is this happening? I'm like, literally ask, just ask. They will come. They're here. They're waiting for it. And like, I've had some weird, like negative experiences with it too, where it's mm. like, I don't fuck around now. In the past, I used to, I used to do like witchcraft, <laughs> hey. creepy shit. But like, I bought a book that I was Shaman Durek. I don't know if you know him. Love I do, Sh yeah. So Shaman Durek had a book called um, Spirit, Spirit Hacking. Hacking. Yes. Yep. And so he has like witchcraft things on there. Well, I call it witchcraft. It's like Sham, like, yeah, shamanism. Yeah, but it, witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. Real witchcraft has like a, a row, right, right. I'm like, hold up. Why am I like stigmatizing the term witch in real no, time now? it is. Yeah. yeah. And one of them was like opening up like portals and I would wake up to like three dude male roommates and I would wake up at 5 a.m. before they would wake up. I'm like, if they see me in this kitchen doing this, I just can't. But I would do all these like these things and I, it was not cool. Like there was one time where my boyfriend at the time was like, I just heard you screaming. You were screaming for my name. I'm like, I, what? Huh? All right. I stopped playing around with it. Yeah. I'm like, be careful who you call in. That's why I say if you're aligned in the highest vibration of love, you're allowed in. And also you can command who can come in and you can like mm. say, leave, like, this is my space. You have to leave. Yeah. So, I mean, cause we're powerful beyond belief. Totally. It's just a matter of us stepping into that power, understanding it. And like, yeah. Accepting it. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to pull back and talk about your mom. Yeah. So I was reading some of your Instagram posts and there was one of them. I wrote this down. So I, you said in there, she died from a, a sudden rare and aggressive illness. So mm -hmm. it happened super quickly. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty wild. It was maybe a few days after my mom's birthday in 2020, August 31st is her birthday. And I think a few days after that, she started feeling ill, um, had had fibroids before, um, uterine fibroids, same as my grandmother, um, but had, they had never bothered her. I think she'd had fibroids since uh, I was born. Mm -hmm. And the doctors always said like, oh, it's fine. If they're not bothering you, don't worry about it. When like in my head, my like scientific brain is going off. Like if there are masses growing in an organ in a reproductive organ mm -hmm. that you don't understand the cause of, like, how can you say that it's fine? Like I, it, it's clearly there's some disorder, some dis-ease within the body, whether it's, you know, whether it ends up being uh, malignant or not versus benign is a different story. But like, there's something going on that that warrants more exploration than saying like, oh, like you have fibroids, it's fine, whatever. And it is so common in black women. It's so common in, in, in women of color um, and it's so dismissed. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that these fibroids turned into cancer. Um, but something was going on reproductively for a long time. Um, and my mother was also very like not keen on going to the doctor. Yeah. Um, 
and very afraid because you know for good reason because women of color aren't listened to Mm -hmm. in in this profession in the medical profession um so she ended up just having this weird stomach thing and my mom also never wanted anyone to worry about her so all of this was a secret she Mm -hmm. her stomach she just started feeling really full and she had no idea why um and for a while she couldn't eat and it was literally almost night and day um immediately within a few days she felt terrible so she took herself to the emergency room because she googled that maybe it was uh, she was living in philly at the time by herself and she googled she was like oh my appendix could be bursting so she like thought it was gastrointestinal um and she gets there and the only reason i ever found out she was in the hospital was because I still have my same phone number from when I was 14, 13, when I got my first phone. She and I both still had the same numbers and they're only one number apart. So I think the nurse accidentally called me being like, hey, like looking for a little bit more information um, for your hospital stay. And I was like, I got that voicemail and I was like, what? So I call my mom and this is the funniest part of the story because everything else is terribly tragic. (laughs) I was like, where are you and she says out here in these streets and I'm like are you in the hospital <laughs> oh my god don't worry. she's, she's like, like don't worry about it stay out of my business just, she's like oh you know just out here in these streets I'm like no like I know and she was shook shook it um and she was like yeah I think it's just gastrointestinal like I just had some weird stomach thing um and they're gonna let me know lo and behold they had told her that it very likely was cancer. Like you can see almost immediately on the CT scans because it was so aggressive. Um, oh and so, so it, 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 the way that it progressed was nuts. Um, within 11 months from diagnosis, she had passed away. Like that's how crazy it oh was. My God. Um, and in the meantime, she also lost her health insurance because she lost her job Are a you month before. A oh month, my God. Literally no more than maybe two or three weeks after her insurance expired is when she got sick. Um, I think she lost her job in June and her insurance was until like August and then beginning of September happened. Um, so yeah, I found out maybe a week later after that hospital stay, she went home and I was like, all right, I'm going to send you some food, like pre-made food. Cause I know you're tired or weak, but again, she's just telling me that it's just some like gastrointestinal stuff and we'll get the results in a week. Um, I was on the phone call with her, with her doctor when she got her diagnosis. Um, and obviously that day flew out. Um, I was staying, I was living in Oakland at the time flew out. And for the next seven months, like it was a matter of fighting to get health insurance, like fighting to be able to get any type of like rental assistance. Cause my mom had lost her job. I was also unemployed at the time. It yeah. was, um, fighting the doctors to make sure that she was getting the care that she needed, even though it was aggressive and they didn't know what to do. So they were just like, did the standard protocol, the standard procedure and like, um, advocating on her behalf in, all ways, shapes, and forms, like doing, and I'm very happy that I had the like medical and scientific knowledge to be able to understand what was happening when they're like throwing out terms like anti-angiogenesis, like the way that the doctors are explaining these things, like to most people, they would have no idea. So like, I'm really happy that I was there with my skill set to be able to explain these things to my mom. But 
like what about the people who don't have someone to do that and advocate on their behalf and to like understand what's actually happening um so she had her surgery maybe a week after um her diagnosis they did a full like salpingo or hysterectomy which is like they take out fallopian tubes they take out ovaries uterus cervix just to be you know just to be safe like they took out some lymph nodes so it ended up being stage three um so it had already spread to her lymph nodes at that point and I had you know looked up the um all of the studies all the journal articles and it said that the median survival time with um, ovarian cancer with this particular strain, um, with it, which is carcinosarcoma. So it's like a carcinoma and a sarcoma mixed together, which is why it was so incredibly rare and aggressive. Um, it's like 1% of cancer cases. Oh, wow. Um, it's wild. Um, so it was meant to be 24 months. So I thought I had two years. Um, in the end, we had 11 months. And for me, the hardest part was that my mom was very controlling. She was a Virgo queen, like Mm. needed everything the way that she wanted it. Um, And for her to be so out of control, out of control of her body, she had me like telling her what to eat and like cooking her food, like taking care of her in every way. Um, Especially as like a woman who had always taken care of her family. She was the eldest. Like when her father passed away, she started taking care of her mother, my grandmother and her siblings. Like, um, so for her to finally have to receive the care that she had given um, to others was was honestly a hard pill to swallow. Um, And in that sometimes she would be really mean because she was really upset. And um, like I was saying, we didn't come from, a family that like discussed our emotions. So her her, uh, escape mechanism was avoidance. Um, So anytime I would try to have these like deeper conversations about what's going on, she would like, like, nah, I'm not, not trying to have that. Um, So I think emotionally being a caretaker, caregiver um, for seven months in the middle of COVID being completely isolated in like a place that I don't know, like, I'm not from Philly. My mom moved there after I like graduated college. So I didn't know really anyone in, in the area, except for one or two of my mom's friends. Um, and then one of my friends who ended up also having her mother battling, you know, in stage cancer at the same time as me, who also happened to be just outside of Philly, but like, I was pretty much alone. Um, and even alone in the sense that my mom wouldn't even really like communicate, um, a lot with me. So for those seven months, it was hell, honestly, like being so fearful of, yes, my mother's imminent passing, but like also me being out of control and giving so much um, to her and it not being enough. Mm. Um, So I had to like deal with my Virgo moon, which also likes to be controlling um, and likes to take care of people. Um, It, yeah, it was a really, really rough time. Um, And coming out of that, my mom ended up getting her surgery. Surgery went well. Um, We ended up getting um, medical assistance after fighting, after a lot of back and forth um, because 
each chemo session would be with all the medications, 115,000 each. Jesus Christ, dude. I can't, that is, that's crazy. It's like on top of the physical and emotional and mental and spiritual and energetic, just pain and exhaustion and hell that you're going through. They now throw this financial weight on you. It was wild. Um, so in the end, she went through all six rounds of her chemo and, um, the doctors were like, look, you're cancer free. She like rang the bell, um, then had a scan. Um, and they were like, yeah, you're good. Then shortly after she started on this, what's called a maintenance medication that she was supposed to be on, um, for the next two years, every three weeks, which also cost, I think $50,000 every three weeks. Um, so we went to do one of those treatments after they mixed that medication in her chemo for the last three sessions. Then she had her first only like just that medicine as a maintenance treatment. And the part that I'm really the, another part, like one of the few parts about this story that I'm very angry about is the fact that we were told that with this medication, there's a 1% chance of bowel perforation of this like terrible side effect. What is um, that? Um, it's basically your intestines kind of start to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. They like separate okay. um, and they're, they're like, oh, it's just a 1% chance. Um, and at that point I had started um listening to the doctors and like pulled back from doing my own research just because it was proved it was being proven that this medication was working for her. She wasn't like responding terribly to it. Like all of her, um, the, the, the blood level, like the cell counts that we were looking for, for like CA 125 was down super low. And I was like, I kind of backed off a little bit in that moment. And then I did some research after my mom passed and I found out that depending on the time you start giving this medication, it goes from a 1% chance of this terrible side effect to a 25% chance of this terrible side effect. And none of the doctors had told me that. I don't know if they knew that, Um, but that's what ended up happening to my mom. Um, Less than maybe two weeks after she'd been told she was cancer-free and in remission, um, she had this terrible side effect where her bowel was perforated and they had to cut the exact same wound, open her back up, stitch her back together. Wow. And they were like, we found more tumors that weren't detected on the CT scan. Um, and from then on, it was kind of emergency mode. That was April of 2021. Um, so yeah, about six or seven months after her diagnosis and we were just like, all right, like come to LA. I had been trying to move to LA before, uh, right before the pandemic hit, just because I wasn't really loving the Bay. Um, I have an uncle here, my mom's brother and his um, two sons and his wife. And I think I felt like I would have had more support. I was also having my partner who was still in Oakland. We were going to move to LA um, because of the pandemic, he could work from wherever I could as well. And I was just like feeling a call towards family, but staying on the West coast. Um, and I was just like, okay, mom, we got to go. So I came out to LA, found a place, moved all my shit, um, with my partner, literally packed up our whole place. And we moved down here to LA, um, while my uncle, like we tapped 
we traded places. He like watched my mom as she was recovering from the second surgery for 10 days and then ended up um, helping my mom get on a plane and come out here. So it really was a blessing to be able to have the support of my uncle and like my partner and friends and family who like helped me get my mom from, you know, a place when we knew it was very close to the end um, to like uproot everything and like change medical systems. You know, we had to do now Medi-Cal. We had to do the same thing again, where we like risked getting denied um, medical assistance um, while she's sick, while she's basically disabled. Um, but we had to risk it so that, you know, my mom wouldn't be alone in Philly. So we moved her out to LA. I think she, it was wild. She insisted on getting her own place, even though we have a two bedroom here. And I was like, mom, just stay with me. And she was like, no, I want my own place. And I think secretly she was worried about like dying in the house that I lived in, but mm -hmm. didn't say it. No. Um, and she got her own place, I think June 1st and then June 6th uh, for like that whole the end of April was about six weeks, end of April until the beginning of June. When she got her new place, she was staying with me and my partner and we had a great time. We like went to Palm Springs, we hung out. She was fine. It was wild. Um, even though we knew the cancer had come back, she was feeling great, moving great, like walking everywhere, going to the beach, hanging out. Um, and then I think six days after she started and we just we started living in her new place, which was just around the corner. Um, we like moved her in, started unpacking and then she had a fever and we took her to the hospital and they were like, it's a tumor fever. Um, and they gave her emergency chemo, tried everything they could because her body was too weak for um, any other surgery. Uh, and then, yeah, over two months, she deteriorated and passed at the beginning of uh, of last August, August, 2021, um, just a few days, a few weeks actually before her birthday. And it was wild because in my head, I never got to spend a birthday with her sick because she got sick right after her birthday in 2020 and she passed before her birthday in 2021. So like the way that my mind has wrapped around this trauma has just been such, um, it's been such a journey. And a lot of times it's, it's still jarring and so surprising because it's been a year and maybe a month and a half, almost two months since my mom passed. And it's still, my memory is still, um, yeah, so confused sometimes. Like she yeah. was just like two years ago, we were like, yeah, chilling basically, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride especially because like I was saying at the very beginning, like we are, we, we are 22 years apart. Yeah. We're so close. We also had a, a great relationship just because we had a lot in common. Like we would go to yoga together. We would do, we would meditate. We would do like Deepak Chopra's 21 meditation day challenges together. And like, we would like go out to restaurants all the time and like talk on the phone for hours. Like that was my homie. Yeah. And to have something like that happen, I feel like for me, it was my biggest fear mm. to happen in the biggest way. Mm. And for me to realize that I can still survive that and still like, quite honestly, and quite bluntly do a really fucking good job. Like the way I took care of my mother and like dropped my entire life in the middle of a pandemic to like, just go and cook for her, clean for her. 
um, go to the grocery store, take her to every, like push her wheelchair to take her in and out of surgeries and hospital visits. Like it really was the ultimate devotion, the ultimate gift I could have given her on her way out. And like, I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity to like be of service and to give her the same love that she gave to everyone else back to her. Wow. And I saw, I saw, I wrote this down because I was, I knew I was going to get to in this story to get to remember, but you wrote, you said to your mom, if you get tired, go home and I'll meet you there. Yep. That was, um, that was one of the first things I said to her when we, when she got sick, I was like, when you get tired, go home. I'll see you there. And I think like the more that my mind and body um, get acclimated and like accustomed to her absence, it also starts to remember her presence. Mm. It starts to remember like for a while, the way that the trauma was set up in my mind and my body was like really dark because there were some grotesque and gruesome things that I had to see and that I had to do because when she came home for hospice, I was her hospice nurse. The hospice nurse came once a week. Like I was the one watching her deteriorate and like the way um, that her body failed her. Um, If I hadn't had experience like dressing wounds and, you know, cleaning wounds and changing, you know, changing dressings it like it got really dark um and for a really long time that was all I could see when I had memories of my mom it was the dark shit it was it was the yeah the grotesque bits but now as I grow around my grief I'm able to start to at least my mind is able to switch to those joyous memories and like upholding um yeah her legacy through me and through the opportunities I create for myself and the shit that I don't take anymore um recognizing and seeing mortality um so closely has definitely like shaken some shit up in me um in a way that it hadn't um in a way that maybe it wouldn't have Otherwise, um, seeing how important love is, how important your relationships are, um, and how important it is to create a life that you want to lead now and not in the future. Um, because even with my mom, my mom like refused to tell people that she was sick because she was like, I don't want to tell anyone my, the story of my illness. I want to tell them my recovery story. And it, even then it, and like as valiant and beautiful as it is to like want to only share um, what you've overcome, it's also important to share what you're going through while you're going through it. Yeah. Because like the way my depression was set up, the way my like burnout and ex- my caregiver exhaustion and burnout was set up, like was wild. So for me to be able to, share that part of yes there's the sadness but also the really real 
emotions of like, I'm so tired. Yeah. Like being able to, to share that with my community, with my people, um, was, yeah, was, was very integral in my healing. Um, because for the longest time it was, I'm not going to tell anyone my father's in prison. I'm not going to tell anyone I'm from like a poor family. I'm not going to tell anyone, you know, my mom lost her job in 2008 and got into so much credit card debt, you know, like it was always, I'm not going to tell people these, um, ugly or like less desirable parts of my story, but realizing that all of this, all of these challenges, um, and all that I've overcome and still have to overcome is part of the current story. Um, and it doesn't have to be like wrapped up in a neat bow, which Mm -hmm. is why I was like happy to come on this podcast because it's like, a lot of this stuff is ugly. A lot of this stuff is like not cute. Like my mental health deteriorated also like, yes, because of my mom's passing, but also before that, like doing my PhD was no cakewalk and like not being listened to, not being taken seriously as like a woman of color in academia, like, and especially as a black woman in Mm -hmm. academia, like that was so hard. Like, do you know how many people going through their, you know, secondary studies, their like postgraduate studies are depressed? Totally. Like, totally. But no one talks about, you know, no one talks about no. it. going through college the first time, even going through high school, like it's, all of it. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. We have to voice, voice these things because that's how the system keeps being fueled. You know, if we're not poking holes in it and being like, Hey, like I'm in this and I'm fucking exhausted. You know, yeah, I have a whole fueled bunch by of our silence fueled by our silence. I have yeah. a few doctor friends who, they would always talk about how the only way that they could get through their, their rounds was through cocaine and yeah. Adderall. And yeah. they would admit like, there's no way we even had someone on here who was on the podcast and he was a doctor at one point. He's like, you don't have, you can't look, you can't give your patients the actual time that they deserve because you're, at, you're, you're doing numbers at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a rough one. Um, but I think it's so necessary and so important for us to discuss openly and honestly at the ways that like capitalism, the ways that white supremacy, the way that like exceptionalism, the American dream, like all of these things manifest in yeah. our bodies and our minds and our lives um, in society as a whole. And the more that we discuss these things, Um, the more able we are to find solidarity, um, to find community. And then in the end, like, it seems like it takes too long, but in the end, be able to, to find a solution and to find um, resolution and, and, and ease, hopefully. Yeah. Do you remember the last thing that your mom said to you? The last coherent thing she said to me was remember the good times we had. I love you. Do you remember? But the last, the very, very last word she said to me, she hugged me and she said, I love you. And I told her, you did such a good job. I kissed her on the forehead. Oh, Oh, you miss her. So much. That was my homie. Miss her so much. But, uh, she had a lot of weight that she was carrying, um, a lot of 
I'll say a lot that wasn't hers to carry, like a lot of responsibilities, a lot of um, roles that I feel like she had, she was, that, that were forced upon her, um, that she felt she had to take on. And I know that she isn't in those situations anymore. And I know that she was like trying to wiggle her way out, but in a lot of ways she had like dug a hole that was very, very, very deep. Mm. Um, and she challenged, she, it was challenging for her and it was a struggle for her um, to start to dig out of, of a lot of, you know, what she was placed in. So knowing now, and even just on like a straight up logical level, I know now that she's not in the pain that she was in, um, the distress that she was in, even just for those 11 months of her life. Um, but the way my brain was set up, the way that the trauma was stored in my mind, it didn't feel that way. When I was for the first year um, and still sometimes the way that my mind flashes, it's like post-traumatic stress disorder. The flashes that I got, um, the flashbacks were always of the most immediate temporal time point before that which was like the sad parts um so now being able to have a little bit more space between me and the event um and also you just reminding me of you know some of my mom's last words which were remember the good times we had I love you um those were the things those are the things that like are starting to take up more space. I'm not all the way there. Um, I still get those flashes of, of dark shit. Um, but ending on a hopeful note, <laughs> I still yeah. am, I'm really looking forward to the ways that I can continue to connect with my mom as I grow, as, you know, our relationship changes because it has to yeah. looking at, at her more of an ancestor yeah. and like accepting her in that role. That makes sense. Totally. And she's absolutely someone that you can call on. As we said earlier, you know, we're like, just call, they're there. And yeah, I, exactly. now you absolutely have someone in the spirit realm who's there with you. And I mean, it's yeah. literally only been a year and two months. You said like, yeah. that is nothing. Nothing. That is nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're not like falling all over the place it's wild because like I've just like always had to be and like there's been a couple tears you'll probably see in the little glimmers but um it's even immediately after almost uh yeah maybe I think I started therapy in September because like there was a a waiting list of course after my mom passed in August um, the first appointment I could get was maybe middle of September so I've been in therapy for about a year um and it took me so long to break down and cry. And the therapist, my therapist even noted it. She was like, huh? Um, And I found it, um, the beginning, it was almost like a badge of honor. Like, look how many punches I can take. Like, look how, (laughs) look how strong I am. Look how good I am at like suppressing my emotions. And um, no, that's not where I am now. but that resiliency that I was like forced to have at such a young age um, still shines through. But 
Now what I'm proud of is that I'm able to, in those moments, let those tears out where for the longest time they would be stuck. And I have very deep pockets. So I'll put it all the way in the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Until that like 239th day. Yeah. Time Just let, let it, it all go. <laughs> Don't do a fucking, fucking mushroom ceremony. You will drop all of that. <laughs> Look, you may let have. Me, let me Woo. tell you um, about... Well, I did do, I did have a ceremony. Um, it was a, a ma ceremony. So it was mushrooms and ayahuasca mixed together with some other herbs. Wow. Um, I did that. And it, it actually wasn't like a boohoo crying purging ceremony, yeah. but I will tell you that I saw, um, I, like I mentioned before, I ran into this woman who started channeling my mom recently yeah. on my trip to New York. And she kept saying through like from my mom, she was like, you need to ugly cry. And I was like, mm. I really thought I had like mom. done that. <laughs> like, oh, cause I did it. I've done the wailing. Like I set up a little altar for my mom where I put like fr- fresh flowers, pretty much always lilies and like little trinkets. And I light a, a little tea light candle. I had been, I used to do it like every night religiously Um, but since then I've been like creating a new, um, more sustainable routine where like, it's not always like I feel, cause I felt like for a while I was feeling that obligation. And like, if I got in bed and forgot, I'd be like, fuck, (laughs) yeah, like I had to get up and go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I still have that. I have those, I have those ways of connecting and to hear my mom be like, you still need to ugly cry. Cause like I'll ugly cry at that altar occasionally, but like the way that um, this channel started describing it. She was like, if your whole body is grief, you've only grieved up to your knees. And I was like, <laughs> like oh no. God, <laughs> damn. Yeah. <laughs> but she was also like, you need to finish grieving so that wow. you can create space for what you need to bring into the world. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to like creating whatever that is. Totally. And I imagine the more you know, when you're having to be in survival mode and having to harden yourself up, your body's not going to feel safe to let go because you have to be in like that more masculine of like, no, Mm -hmm. I've got to like, who else is going to do this? I've Mm got to do it, you know? So the more you're able to just keep doing exactly what you're doing now, you know, the more your body will feel safe enough to release that. And it's such a process. Like I found that even in my own process, At first I wanted to be like, just cry, just let it out. I know you have all this stuff. And I like did this inner child meditation and saw this like little child who was like in an ice cube. And I'm like, oh, Oh. she's like, (laughs) she's frozen. Like we got to let her thaw out for a minute. Yeah. It's actually super funny because I, there's this um, TikTok sound. Where is it? Where the the fuck (laughs) is it? And it's like, as I was always that person going into yoga classes being like, oh, I hear pigeon. It's like one of those, one of those poses where you just start bawling. And I would be like, where is it? Where am I doing it wrong? And I think it really was just like so much suppression of my emotions based on like everything everyone around me had to do to survive. And like those things that I inherited, like epigenetically from being in the womb of my grandmother, who's like been anxious and depressed and like had a lot of undiagnosed, like mental health struggles. Um, Thinking about the fact that when my mom was in her womb, 
my mom already had all the eggs that she was going to have at four months, like from four months. So like I've been in there and all of these things that are passed down to me, um, ancestrally, genetically, culturally, societally, like it's been a lot to carry, but one of the ways I've been finding grace is by reminding myself that like that softness isn't a weakness and like Mm. radical softness is, is a thing. Totally. I love that. Was your dad able to say his proper goodbye? Cause I know you were saying like they had a good relationship towards even towards the end. Right. Yeah. I, I don't believe he was able to like explain and express to her how much, cause he's still in love with her to this day. Oh. Um, I don't think that he was ever able to express it to the fullest extent he would have, he would have liked to No, yeah. And I think that that's, that's really hard for him. Um, like for him to be in prison and see his mother pass away, his father pass away, the love of his life pass away. Like, you know, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grief and grieving that, you know, a lot of people in my family are still doing and that we're all doing as a society at large, like COVID's still killing hundreds of people a day. Mm -hmm. Like whether or not we want to um, discuss the fact that at one point it was thousands of people a day, um, how many people have lost someone, um, whether it be due to COVID or, you know, due to circumstances surrounding COVID, like people losing, you know, people I mean even like before the eviction moratorium or people like leaving their jobs right before COVID and then they weren't eligible for um any uh, unemployment benefits like there's so many um ways in which this collective two plus years of of grieving of loss of trauma has shown up for all of us and um we're still trying to go back to business (laughs) We're going, we're like, all right, now, like, let's get back into the office. But without acknowledging, yeah, a collective grief that we all carry with us. And I think um, finding ways to unload it um, is paramount. And for me, that's been through things that generally aren't very accessible, like, Luckily, I have health insurance where my copay for therapy is twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. If I had to pay one hundred and eighty dollars a session, that'd be a different story. You know, yeah. like my acupuncture, seventy percent of that is covered by my insurance. So each session ends up being like thirty something dollars. Wow. But like, if that weren't the case, what would I do? Yoga classes, but charging thirty dollars a pop. Yeah. like that's also part of the reason why I wanted to join the yoga studio, the like mindfulness studio I'm with now open is because it's affordable, $20 a month. And even still like that's outside of people's range. So we have opportunities for people to to write in and be like, Hey, I can't afford this. Like, can I like, yeah, we got you. And I think that the more democratized and the more accessible, all of these healing modalities become therapy, acupuncture, yoga, breath work, meditation, which, you know, technically already you can just meditate, but having the tools and having the community to be able to do it with and to have the support of that is, I think, still, still lacking. And 
one of my biggest goals is to make wellness way more accessible than it is um, in all in all ways of the word. Yeah. Amen. Oh my God. We need it. We need it. I mean, you, I told you a little bit about my stuff before this and the, everyone who's listening has heard my, my things of just like, fuck, can someone come save us from this system? It's like, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to deal Mm -hmm. with the way that the medical system and most of these systems set up a particularly because we're talking about it, the medical system. Yeah. So before we go, there's one more question that I want to ask you. And we usually also, before I even get to that one, we love to, we, I, my sister used to co-host with me. So I still used to saying we, I like to guess the Zodiac signs of my guest, but you told me Taurus. Honestly, my ass would have guessed wrong. I'm not good at guess. Oh, wait, what were you going to guess? I don't know. Cause now I know Taurus. Okay. You I have a very, very dominant something else in my chart. Like I've You're got rising. stellium, my stellium and my ascendant are all okay, on okay, one side. Okay. And that's what I've been told I present as. So you can still guess because people don't guess Taurus until they like meet me in person and they see I'm like kind of grounded, kind of like, but. Okay. There's two. Okay. So I would say is Capricorn one of them? No. Okay. Maybe I'm just, I mean, the generational, you know, we've got those okay. generational planets. I think yeah, it's yeah. like Jupe, no, um, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune for me are all, but that's like, again, generational. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think like most people's, um, are all in Capricorn. There, Damn. Like well, oh, personal planet. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> uh, um, I could feel some Libra E in you, some like Libra energy. Oh my God, I'm offended. I'm closing my laptop now. Uh, that's wrong. No, I'm just kidding. No. Is that uh, wrong? Because Libras Gemini. are so social. It's an air like... sign. It's an air sign. It's it's Gemini. Oh, actually. okay, okay. okay. Gemini got... in my mind, but I'm like, I could see that because like with the communication, like, and like- you're I was just... like also living so many different lives. Like I was a freaking, I didn't say yeah. this, but I was a dancer for a long time. Oh, wow, I like yeah. ran long and triple jump. Like I was like a marketing manager for a while, like as a side job for a newspaper. Like I've had so many different things. And again, I haven't gone into all of that, but yeah, I have a Gemini ascendant, okay. Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Lots of Gemini. Okay. So earth and air. What are yours? I'm an airy sun, Scorpio moon, cancer rising. Scorpio moon, (laughs) ma'am. Cancer rising. Uh I'm like for some water. Yeah. Tons of water. I'm for sure an Aries. Like I relate to the Aries so much with just how like fiery I am. Um, But I'm mainly water. My chart's mainly water. Wow. My Mercury is Pisces. My Mars is Cancer. My Whoa. yeah. I love I'm I'm Earth and Air. Okay. Okay. I love nice. that. I definitely feel the earthiness. Um, and then the last question I wanted to know is what is keeping your heart open these days? Honestly, the winds of change. I feel that there is momentum towards discussing the ugly, sticky, gritty, grimy elements of existence. Um, 
there's a win towards calling out these systems that work for a few and not the many. Um, and I think that these, these voices are getting louder. Um, the ones that are saying that these systems, whether it be white supremacy, whether it be um, capitalism, whether it be like whatever, um, these systems that are like imperialism, colonialism, like all of these things, even with, you know, the queen passing and the discourse around that, like I, I um, am feeling hopeful at how much more willing people are to listen to the oppressed um, and how well the oppressed are able to alchemize their anger and their frustration um, to create change in ways that um, have been lacking for a while. So that's kind of, that's setting my soul on fire. The fact that they're, the, the world is in like a, a potent in-between stage where we can swing the pendulum one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for so long we've been, yeah, we've been working in a way that only a few have been able to benefit from. And I think now, now's the time. So being able to teach my yoga classes and have like sprinkle a little bit of like socialism in my yoga mm -hmm. classes, my <laughs> breathwork classes, my meditation classes, like community care and like anti-racism work and like all of um, the important bits of the practice that go beyond just the physical and individual benefits towards like the collective and communal benefits of it. So mm -hmm. that's my answer. I love that answer so much. It's so like, thank God for people like you who are in this work and who are in just like feel the pain so deeply of, of the pain that everyone is in that is suppressed in one way or another, mm -hmm. because it's absolutely fucking exhausting if you, and who doesn't find themselves as some sort of a, a victim to, to these systems. Mm -hmm. And like creating community around it yes, starts community. with discussing it. Yes. And if I didn't have my community, um, if I didn't have, if I didn't live in a place where, you know, people are so open to having these discussions, to um, being a part of this healing, like it, it'd be, it would look a lot different. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, where can everyone go find you? Y'all can find me, Tara Zinneman, at Tara Zinneman on Instagram. Um, I would say my website, but like, I haven't updated that in a long time. <laughs> I feel like Instagram has become like the new website, Instagram's you know? Instagram's the thing. You can also find me um, on Open, um, the platform. It's all on my Instagram profile. And then there's also um, a 30-day trial if you want to come take some yoga, breath work, meditation classes with me on there because I teach them live. And then I also teach them on demand. And I also teach them in real life in Venice. So I'd love to connect with people. Feel free to send me a dm i actually read them um and i'd love to connect with whoever wants to connect i'm also tara zinneman no spaces no dots at icloud so if anyone wants to send an email and oh she put really her email in, out there i put my email brave. out there i put my email out there so honestly i really like i love connecting with people um yeah. so yeah like holler at me i feel that from the second i met you i'm like she's so nice <laughs> it's real guy she really is this nice in real life i'll put everything in the show notes so Amazing. everyone can go connect with you i love reading all of your your copy what is it your copy i'm on like marketing speak the captions of instagram 
Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so they're so healing and so beautiful. And just your approach to life is really, really yeah. beautiful. So thank you I so much. I try to keep it real. I yeah. You do keep the, it. Like, that's another thing too. Out of it. Yes. It's exhausting. No, no, no. That's what I love too. I love that of like, we can be, we can live inside the wellness world and normalize like the humanity of it. You know, mm-hmm. we're not like, it's, it's just, it's very real. It's humanized. Like love and light. Yeah. Everything's okay. I'm like, no, no you're like, it's <laughs> broken. Let's fix it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. We're done bypassing Yeah. and gaslighting and all of the things, you know, yeah. we're, we're here for it to acknowledge all of it, the light, the dark, everything. Yeah. And just normalize. I don't have the intro in here anymore because I need to make a new one, but that's what we would always say in the intro is like, we're normalizing being human. And that doesn't mean just like calling out all of like the amazing butterflies and rainbows that's going on. It's like, fuck no, dude, I suffer hard. And like, I am finding the love on the journey. And also there's a lot of pain here and you know, all of it. Yeah. Life is suffering. Buddha said it. Yeah. (laughs) Buddha said it. (laughs) Buddha Buddha did that. Uh Uh Uh, But you know, there's beautiful, there's beautiful moments despite all of it. Yes, totally. Thank you for being on today's podcast. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Pleasure. It was, it was amazing. I literally don't even know how long we went. So, oh, I went past. Okay. Ooh, well, thank fine. you. Whatever. Thank you. Thank you for real for being in this this conversation with me. You are amazing. You're so welcome. Thank you. Sending you so much love. Bye, y'all. Bye, everyone.